talk about the response we got from the first episode of our podcast we got some pretty good response huh that was really cool and yeah. unexpected what were your thoughts about it well that was unexpected and it was really nice to see how people actually come out and ask questions that pertain to their situations which confirms that People don't necessarily want to just listen to what we have to say, but what we do provokes que questions about their life. And then they come out and ask questions and want to talk. All of a sudden they realize, hey, this is a space where I can talk to them about things I have been thinking about, but I have no one to talk to. And now they do. Yeah, no, that's been pretty neat. It's like... You know, being a semi-newborn Marvel fan, it's kind of like in the Inhuman story where there's Terrigen Mist and we have this podcast is kind of like Terrigen Mist over the mass that have listened to it and it ignites something in them that's been dormant for a while. I mean, we've only had one episode. I know. And look, already, right? We've had people come out of the closet who, you know, they had no idea that we are operating the way that we are. Um, and uh, we had no idea they were inquiring or inquisitive about that as yeah, well. Yeah, because as, you if know. you don't start talking, how else are you going to find out? It's not something that you talk to people about. This is real. So we'd like to thank everybody who listened to podcast episode one of the Black Russian podcast. And it gives us a little extra rocket fuel and energy for us to continue to do what we do. So we are into the monogamy episode, all things monogamous, good, bad, myths, And uh, the first we'd like to do is um, go into some quotes that we picked out each week or each episode, better yet. We'll uh, pick out some quotes that resonate with us and just share them with you guys, maybe talk a little bit about them. So 
Go ahead. Do you want to go with one of yours? I'll go with one of mine. Sure. All right. So uh, first one I like, your assumptions are your windows on the world. Scrub them off every once in a while or the light won't come in. And it's just easy to assume that you know what you know and you don't have to look at anything else. We all do that. It's hard to go out and look at things in a new way, but we should. We might find something else out that works. This is very true. Um, Mine is live from your heart, not from your hurt. And a lot of us can get caught up sometimes um, acting out of fear, acting out of scarcity versus abundance. And, um, you know, when we do that, we tend to not make the best decisions about things in our lives, especially important things. So, you know, live from your heart, not from your hurt. Um, My next one probably resonates with my rabbit feet. The minute you're satisfied with where you are, you aren't there anymore. That is totally true for me. Um, I don't ever want to be in the same place. And I, I want to keep going. But I guess a lot of the times people want to be comfortable and stay there, which is probably perfectly fine. I just know my rabbit feet start tapping and then trouble. Yes. Unless it's guided. Right, right, of course, which still creates movement. So mine is the partner who must suppress more of his or her own needs for the sake of the relationship is more likely to develop physical illness. And that's, you know, that's by Gabor Mate. And, um, you know, it's true. Like a lot of times we repress things that are very important to us and not realizing that that repression can create a lot of different stresses on your body and on um, and manifest itself in very different ways. Um, and as we know, stress can be one of the major causes of illness. So repression leads to stress, stress can lead to illness, and it's just not fresh. Nope. Gotta stay healthy. An individual has not begun to live their life until they can rise about the narrow horizons of their particular individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. This one speaks to me because I will get stuck on whatever I think and however I think things should be and then not really care about the rest of the people. And it's been a really interesting exercise over the years and I think Tion has been banging me upside the head to actually look at the bigger picture and not just be perfectly happy with my own opinion. All right, and that ties into my last one. Try being informed instead of being just opinionated. Mm. And this ties in perfectly to the monogamy episode because a lot of us have no idea about the concept of monogamy, where it came from, what its origins are, um, and why we choose to engage or just accept it wholeheartedly. I know I will lead off. I was uh, from like third grade until (laughs) shortly after high school. I was a serial monogamous person. I loved, I lived and loved monogamously. Like I had several girlfriends, but when I was with them, they were my whole universe. And, um, you know, I never thought that that was even an option to be anything else but that. It was Do just you really kind of like, think in third grade you can be polygamous? Well, I don't want to be polygamous no matter what age I am. You mean polyamorous? Don't polyamorous. Yeah, I don't want to have other wives. I'm cool with that. Um, I mean, you know, 
sure, you have multiple friends. Some people have multiple friends they cuddled with and played games with, but I didn't. I listened to, you know, I was a romantic. I probably had uncles and aunts that, you know, I listened to a lot of soul and it was about one man, one woman, but I never thought consciously about it um, any, any other way. So the same way I took that wholeheartedly, the same way I took, you know, Christmas was on the 25th and it was with Santa Claus and, you know, Christopher Columbus discovered America. So it was kind of just things I accepted without knowing. And then later through my life, um, around 11th grade is when I really started doing a lot of introspection, listening to Diggable Planets, um, spending a lot of time alone. And I was questioning the things that I did and the things that I thought. And I did everything about how I act, how I treat women, how I treat myself, what I want to do, what I want to feel. But I never questioned monogamy. It was like, didn't even think about questioning that. I just assumed that was just the way things were going to be. So... You know, I was opinionated, but I wasn't informed. I'd never looked up anything about monogamy or relationships. So that's I think that kind of speaks to how most of us are. We just kind of just defaulted that. So we're going to go into that. Let's delve into the whole monogamy thing, where it came from, um, the good about it, the troubles that come along with it, and a lot of the myths and see if we can share some things. So we're going to pass it over to Eula because she is our this week's historian mm-hmm. <laughs> on this podcast. So why don't you break down what you discovered about some of the origins of monogamy? So I did some research, not extremely heavy, but enough to where there's a common theme. And the common theme actually goes against what I had assumed it was going to be. I sort of assumed that it was uh, monogamy was born from religion, but it was not, apparently. Uh, there's different uh, there's different theories, and uh, they all point to the fact that uh, at some point, people before a big change happened, and I guess questionable what the big change was, but people were not monogamous. They lived in societies that cooperated a lot more, and it just wasn't a way of life. And then. I guess according to different theories, it was either when um, humans settled on specific territories and started actual uh, agricultural activities, acquired private property, when it occurred to them that having a wife of their own uh, was a good thing. And uh, that's when, I guess, at least one theory says the shift had occurred Another says that uh, even in a old uh, Greek or Roman empire, uh, there was a shift there where there was a non-monogamous society and then it became advantageous for the society to have more men residing in the same group, meaning they don't go out of the group to seek women to attract them uh, because that those people then those men then are able to serve in the army and pay taxes, so that happened in ancient, ancient Greece and Rome. That was centuries before Christianity even existed. What say word? Yep, wow. and uh, basically that theory says that socially imposed monogamy, and that's what we call it, socially imposed, because it became more convenient for the society to have monogamy than not. Uh, it emerged in the West as an arrangement in which elite males allowed lower-ranking males to marry 
in exchange for their military service and tax contributions. So basically, the more you read about it, the more you see that it's an economical arrangement. Whether you concede that it came from from people settling to uh, develop land or whether it came from the need to have a society, more stable society with more males who will go and serve in the army and pay taxes or whatever other sort of economical arrangement. But it's all pointing to the fact that uh, it did not come from religion. Religion took over that whole myth and strengthened it to the point where we all assume that it came from religion, but it really didn't. Wow. So you're trying to say it wasn't some divine innate order that we were just born to be monogamous and that's just why we are the way we are? No, and I guess that's why, you know, I don't know if it's 50% of people that question monogamy, less than 50, more than 50, but there's definitely enough that question monogamy without even uh, thinking about it just right. as a way of life. We all arrive to it through our own means. Right, and that's it's very fascinating because, you know, like we're talking about, most of us never thought about there was any other option that it was if it was synonymous with taking it serious. Like once you got serious, that meant monogamous and there was no other way. Um, and, you know, some of the research that we we're doing, we actually listened to somebody today and they were saying, you know, it could have possibly come from the transition from being hunter gatherers where everything was in the community based. We shared yeah. everything. Um, and so we'll be we shared food, we shared nurture, we shared um, child know, care, child shared care. tools, shared, uh, you know, pray. Like prayer, everything. So it, it would be weird to think that we would share everything, but when it came to um, sexual behaviors, we wouldn't share and engage with that. It would become some strictly secular thing. Um, and that was clearly not the case. So, the, so what we're going to delve into is just, you know, okay, the questions of, you know, asking yourself as we ask ourselves, um, why are you monogamous if you are? You know, I really think, I, I mean, I like the term socially imposed monogamy because it helps us frame it in the right way. Right, meaning it's not good or not bad, but socially right. imposed is definitely not good because... Um, well, I mean, that is something we're all born into, and that's what we assume is right, and that's what we go into the out into the world with. Right, true. Um, and we're all about thinking for ourselves. We're definitely about... Um, living and loving by your own design. And we want to make this very clear as we go into this episode and each episode. Um, There is no template of love that is more or less divine than another. It's the chemistry, intent, and quality of the work the people involved that put in determines the high grade or low grade quality or not. Not only work they do together, but the work they do on themselves, their deep root work. So any dynamic can be great or can fail miserably depending on the people involved in it. So our thing is about love. We're all trying to find our best way to love. And we're definitely about opening up the honest dialogue about love. You know, so let's go into the good. What are some of the good things about monogamy? You know, there's the feeling of companionship. You know, you definitely want to feel like you got somebody who truly is just there Um, who's there for you, who rides for you, who's got your back through thick and thin, um, who you can relax, don't have to worry about chasing them around. You know they're going to be there. Um, 
they're in it. They're in like Flynn. They're in it to win it, right? Um, you know, also the teamwork. You know, having someone that you know you could build with, steady. You can keep building with them. Um, and there's something to be said about that. You know, there's in sports, for example. You know, continuity is a really important thing for a, a basketball or football team because they, they know each other very well. They work together well. Um, and so having that in a relationship, you know, has its advantages. You know, you guys get to know each other very well. It becomes very secure, very secure. Um, you know, and that's you know, people like that. Also, familiarity. People love familiarity, right? You know, like, you know, you know what I like. I know what you like. You know, you know what food I like. I know what food you like. I know your pet peeves. You know, I can finish your sentences. Um, you know, all types of really cool things like that. And I guess that's a really, you know, those are cool things. Um, we're kind of struggling here, but. Well, you know, I mean, as you're, as, as you're listing them, I'm thinking that one, including myself, can easily take every single of your points and apply it to non-monogamy. You don't have to be monogamous to have companionship with someone. You don't have to be monogamous to have teamwork. And you don't have to be monogamous to know their likes and be comfortable. So it's not necessarily an exclusive benefit. Neither one of those is an exclusive benefit of monogamy. So I'm, I mean, I think we're still actually struggling to find that one exclusive benefit of monogamy. And uh, our friends who are in monog good monogamous relationships kind of have failed to come through with it. I haven't chimed in. They're leaving us on an island. <laughs> so I'm thinking back, you know, to when I was in monogamous relationships, but very true. Like, I didn't think, well, this is the only way I can have these feelings. So I guess I had nothing to compare it to. But I just remember the days when I was in monogamous relationships, I loved, you know, I loved the companionship and the consistency. Um, Honestly, I will tell you, well, my opinion, again, there are other opinions. I'm highly opinionated, uh, is that... The main benefit of monogamy to most people is that secure, that, that, that feeling of being secure, the feeling of security and not having to think or wonder if their partner is out there doing God knows what with somebody else. Right. And that goes into, let's get into this part. What are some of the myths of monogamy? Like security is definitely one, which, you know doesn't necessarily negate anything. I mean, someone nope. can be in a monogamous relationship and and tell you one thing and do something else. Well, I mean, the fact that 50% of all marriages fail means that uh, they most of the time they will fail because someone decided that they either are over their partner cheating on them or they don't want to cheat and they want out or... I mean, something along those lines. And it's 50%. Right. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. So the shot is, you know, equal on, on both sides. Right. And another, another myth is that um, the love is more real. It's more divine. It's the right way. You know, it's so deep. And it, it's something you can't share with more than one person. The devotion that it takes to really get to that level of love um, could only be mastered in a monogamous relationship. Um, that's one another myth. And um, what are some other myths? Um, 
if you're not monogamous, you're not serious. Um, you don't really take this seriously. You're not committed. Um, you don't value this love. You don't value this relationship. Um, you're just afraid. You're afraid to really step up to the plate. Like that's kind of one of the things. Like if you're really about it, put a ring on it. Like it's, you know, it's just some form of like the highest form of commitment. But that doesn't really speak to. Uh, I have a ring. Yeah, you do have a ring. I bought it myself. Yeah, true. <laughs> I have a ring too, but it's not that kind of ring. It's on the other finger. Um, but yeah, it's like this, you know, if you're really, really about it, you know, step up to the plate and be a man or or commit, be a woman, commit to this. And it doesn't, no one ever goes past like, you know, if you're going to be in a monogamous relationship, you got to do a lot of work. You're responsible for a majority of this person's nutrients because you're basically not allowing that person to think um not to think because maybe it's mutual but you are stepping up to the plate to say baby you don't need no other man or no other woman because i'm gonna take care of all that all you'd ever need i got you right here can i defend monogamous relationships please defend monogamous relationships i don't think you can say that just because a relationship is monogamous, people cannot have input from other people outside of the marriage. I think that's a stretch, or I think well, it's, it's a myth. too big. I, it's a myth. That's why I was saying we're talking about it in myths. <laughs> no, but I think that a lot, like there, there's definitely normal monogamous marriages where you're allowed to have very close friends yeah. and you're allowed to go do things on your own. And you're allowed to receive nutrients from other people, places, and things. Right. It's just there's one line that you cannot cross. Right. And so as we've... That's a good form of monogamous right. relationship. See, there you go. You've, you finally came up with something good. You thought you didn't have nothing in you. Because <laughs> I have to defend it against you. There, just, right. It, the good came out of just defending against my, my myth that I pulled out of my you know, head based upon some of the things that we've talked about with just different people over the years. Like, you know, there's, there's those type of myths. Um, you know, what's, what's some other myths? There's, you know, it's just, you're not supposed to be with more than one person. You're not supposed to. Or you're not even supposed to be attracted to anyone. There's a myth that, um, you know, when you're with one person, that's all you need. Nothing else matters. Um, you know, like even talking about being attracted to other people can make people feel really uncomfortable, um, which is, you know, which is... There is an even crazier me- myth. There's a crazier <laughs> meme myth. Me myth. No, it's going to say meath. Meath. Uh, you can say meath. <laughs> that uh, when you're having sex, you only have to think about being with that person. Yes. That one's insane. Right. And that was, you know, one of our, a good friend of ours who was married in a monogamous relationship for how long? 20 years. 20 years. 17 years. Completely monogamous. Never cheated before they opened it up. And there was, um, that was one of the myths. um, Was that you were not supposed to think about anything or anybody else when you're having sex. Um, That would be a form of... I, I throw a huge flag out at that one. A, you can't control my thoughts or can't even attempt to control my thoughts. Right. Yeah. I and mean, 
You're looking at me like I'm trying to control your thoughts. God, stop <laughs> looking at me when you talk about that. Like, I'm not, it's not me. Monaga, not me. It's not me. You can think about anything or anyone you want. As long as it's helping you do what you need to be doing in your goddess manner, I'm good. You know. Uh, we digress. Anything short of yelling out, Mandingo! While we're going, I'm like, a who? <laughs> I'm going to have to meet Mandingo. Yeah, yeah. Or Jonas! If you like Jonas's or Man- Trevor! Mandingo. You like <laughs> Clarence! <laughs> or how about, uh, oh God, what's a really good name I know you'd like? Harrison! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, we're just playing around. But uh, yeah, so... You know, there's a lot of myths about monogamy. Um, uh, one of the other myths which we talk about is that it's easier. It's easier to be in a monogamous relationship than being in an alternative or non-monogamous relationship. I think the myth is uh, the other way around. I think that the myth is that it's easier to be in a non-monogamous relationship because you just then pick and choose, right? Who you want to be with, where to spend time. I mean that's that's the myth on the other side more so than yeah I don't I don't ever hear anybody talking about that because usually um, a lot of us choose the the path of least resistance. No, I mean even <laughs> from the input that we got for this episode, right? Right. There's at least one person who can't wait to get out of a monogamous relationship. He just doesn't know how to, but he apparently thinks that it's going to be easier for him. Right. Well, we know, you know, it's not. But I think a lot of people by default just think it's easier and less crazy if they just if they just have one person they're with less worrying, less crazy and it's like that. I mean, that's why one of the reasons why more people are probably choosing monogamy, even though they're not consciously choosing monogamy. Um, You know, a lot of times we choose monogamy, like you're saying, out of security um, and it ends up being out of fear sometimes. You know, like fear, security. Yes, you have a fear. You seek security. Right, fearing that you know, um, if you don't contractually lock it down in a monogamous way, one of the two partners will be led astray. Maybe wander off. Maybe find somebody cooler or stronger. I'm not sure um, what that fear is. I mean, there's several different fears that go into it, but I don't know if they're really thought through because we already know that hey, if somebody is not happy at home or they want more either two things are going to happen they're going to either not do anything and resent the situation for it and it might dim their light which may dim their self-esteem which may dim the quality of sex they have quality of lovemaking quality of presence in time with family and self also or or the other one is they're just going to go ahead and do it and just not tell you about it so it, there's, there's this prism that we tend to think that just because you're in a monogamous relationship that you're safe um, is not necessarily true. And, um, you know, but it seems to be like this security blanket. And so, you know, that's a myth right there, too, is that, you know, once you're in, you're good. And, um, you know, one of our good friends who's in this super long relationship that then changed it after 17 years, um, she was saying, you know, probably the biggest negative impact that monogamy had on their sex life was that it was so secure. The work had gone into establishing the relationship, but dwindled once we knew we weren't going anywhere. And that's that's one of the we're going into the, we're we're blending from like good bad myths. We're just kind of flowing with it, I guess. It's 
kind of hard to just keep them in, you know, categories without just, you know, running out of shit to talk about. But it's better to just flow with it. But that was a big, that's another big thing. There's a lot of things that we do in courtship that once we get something locked down, we just naturally have a tendency to be like, all right, got that. Mm -hmm. And then we shift our focus to whatever, what other accolades we're trying to accomplish, whether it's career based or family based or whatever. Um, And that can then um, create a stale feeling in the relationship. And then, you know, think, you know, what happens when things get stagnant, things get stale, you know, what can happen? I got nothing to add there. <laughs> I'll be the most boring person on this podcast. Yeah. So unless you antagonize me. Well, <laughs> I will antagonize you. So while we're going into this stuff, I, a lot of you guys are learning a lot about us, but you're probably learning a lot more about Eula because she's like the unseen hand and she's been around not talking that much. But in this situation, I was the one that was monogamous most of my life growing up. And this one over here uh, was... Was never able to keep a monogamous relationship. <laughs> was just never monogamous. So why don't you, you know, share with us why? Like how, like... I don't know it was just i think natural for me to not consider that if i like someone and they like me then that's it it just then somebody else would come along and hey i like them too and i can do both and that was it. whatever huh? it's in i don't know kindergarten or sixth grade or beyond i mean that's just how it is right. that's just how it has been i can't explain to you why but that's just how it is, which tells me that it's not natural, at least for me, to be monogamous. Right. She's a G, just so you guys know. Like, she doesn't feel any of that stuff that most of us felt about once we started thinking or dare to think outside of monogamy. Um, she doesn't feel any shame. There's no societal, she doesn't feel any societal shame or any of that guilt that is imposed on, you know, what if we don't do this? Because the majority of our friends and family are on the monogamous side and anything varying from that is there's shame upon it. It's frowned upon. No, I think that my issues were more between you and I than between me and the society. Yeah. In other words, she doesn't have any of that societal shame. No, I don't. (laughs) This would be a good... Thus, I'm married to you. Right, right, right. Okay. Touche. And I would be, it's a good time right now to bring up that this episode is co-sponsored by Pax Vape Pens. And um, someone over to the left of me took a very, very mild hit. And now she's, I guess what you'd call rabbit stoned. And so, you know, if she kind of gets things confused or starts arguing with me when I'm agreeing with her, then you'll totally understand why it's happening. Uh <laughs> So we might be rewriting this episode, like, re-recording this episode. Episode two point two, <laughs> coming up. You know, another 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 trap with monogamy is um, you can feel locked down. And what I found is sometimes sexual monogamy can turn into emotional monogamy, mental monogamy, because a lot of the times the monogamy is based upon protecting investment. It's about enabling fear to exist. Like, I don't want, I'm, I get jealous when you go out and do things. So um, what's going to happen now is if you go out with another guy, I'm going to feel weird about it. And so if you tell me, hey, I'm, I met this guy named Chris or Bobby or Harrison or whatever, 
um, and we're just going to go out, a lot of times in a monogamous relationship, the person's going to be like, well, who's he? What does he do? Where do you know him? Where did you meet him? What do you, does he like you? What is that? And you get, you get this energy that sometimes can be a little rough and it can be imposing. And then all of a sudden, um, after a while of that, you'll start thinking, you know what? Like, I don't want to tell him that I'm going out with Chris again because I know the energy I get. So I'm going to just say it's, I'm going out with my friend Lisa or I'm going out with some girls or I'm going to the gym. Um, and that's where the deceit, the, the deception starts to happen. And so, you know, that's not really too good of a thing. So, you know, we got to be very careful. Like we said, in monogamy or non-monogamy or anything, it's about hopefully leaning forward and being brave and being honest about things and not being um, enabling fear to exist. Like actually making decisions to define your relationship based upon the truth, based upon what's real, not based upon control, not based upon human possession, just based upon, you know, the love that's going to open up you guys, grow, flourish, and empower each other to grow. So we've, so let's talk about possession. Because a lot of times, like we just, I was driving down to LA today, which is a pretty amazing, um, and I get this phone call (laughs) (laughs) and I answer the phone and it's like, hi, I'm, uh, well, we'll just, we'll say Becky for now, just for, for, to protect the innocent. Hi, I'm Becky's husband. Um, I went through her phone and see that you guys have been talking. Are you guys seeing each other? What do you, what do you, what's going on? And I was just like, who, what? Like I was so thrown back. I'd never been in that situation before. I was like, you know, I don't know why you're talking to me, but you know, I am friends with Becky and we're cool, but I don't understand why you're calling me. And he was like, well, she's my wife. And, you know, I don't think you guys should be talking anymore. And so I had to kind of check my, you know, check myself for a second, like, whoa. And then say, excuse me, like, do you own this person? And he was quickly like, no, but, and I was like, well, if you don't own this person, there's no way you can tell me that I shouldn't be friends with her. That's her. If she feels that our friendship is detrimental to your guys' relationship, then she should tell me that. And this assumption of, you know, possession, like she's my girl, I can do that, does not fly in the name of genuine love. Um, But if you listen to a lot of the love songs that we hear, um, it's a lot about I'm yours and you're mine. And it's sweet and romantic at times, but, you know, if we're not careful, those words, we say them enough, they become reality and we feel that we have ownership, which means we can micromanage and start dictating um, who the husband or wife goes out with. Um, and sometimes we may not just flat out say you cannot go, but we'll use guilt and we'll use other things to impose on them. And, um, you know, it's not working out too well. So is that part of the reasons why you were, were not monogamous is you have a pretty adverse energy towards possession and stuff? Yeah, I will never tolerate anyone a going through my phone. What do you mean you looked at my phone? The the second you looked at my phone, you're out. Uh, You can't look at my computer. You can't look at any of my stuff unless I invite you to. I mean, my assumption is that you don't. And it was actually a um, conversation that you and I had early on where you told me how you did look into your ex-girlfriend stuff and you did see things that 
hurt you, but you already knew that you couldn't bring that up to her because how are you looking at her stuff? You shouldn't be looking. You shouldn't be doing that. Right. And if you did, then it's all on you. That's that was your choice. You looked at it. It was her private information. You stepped into it. Now you get to deal with the consequences. Yeah. So. So not into it. Yeah, and it, and so this conversation goes on, and I'm just I'm talking to the guy, and I'm just saying, you know, if you're having issues with your wife, you should spend time talking to her. And if you're concerned about her breaching your contract and doing things outside of your marriage, um, then maybe you should really question the quality of the relationship. Like, is there anything that you could be doing better or or together to make that to where the dialogue is open to where if she's feeling unhappy, she'll tell you or if there's something that's going on, she'll let you know. Um, calling me is not going to help anything. I'm just going to tell you that, you know, like with all due respect, like I'm not your friend. Um, I respect you and I respect your guys' relationship, but my friendship is with her. And unless you're telling me you own her, I'm not going to really respect you as a man telling me that I can't talk to your woman. Because last time I checked, um, she was not yours in possession and ownership. So we got to be careful with those words. And another thing what it boiled down to was like, it boils down to trust. Like if you have to trust someone's decision-making process to be in any relationship, but especially, you know, in a monogamous situation, you shouldn't be going through their phone. You shouldn't be worried about who they go out with. You shouldn't be worried about um, who they meet or who they work out with or any of that stuff. Because if you trust them and you trust they make good decisions, then you'll trust that they honor the commitment that they made to you. Yeah, but Tion, I mean, the truth is that we all do. I mean, we all worry. We all feel it. Uh, it's just, it's what we do with those feelings that's what matters we you know let's not pretend that we are superhuman and we do not have those feelings of course you do well that's that's a given that we all have these feelings right. but we need to be able to like you're saying it's what you do with those feelings and um, a lot of times we just think it's okay to just you know let the jealousy get the best of us and let us do things as if we don't trust each other. But then when someone asks, do you trust me? The first thing they'll say is yes. And then they go, but blah, 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 blah. I don't know about that person. I don't know about this person. But the reality is your relationship is not with the other person. Your relationship is with me or with her. So if you trust me, it doesn't matter who I'm out with. I could sleep in a bed with the finest girl in the world. But if I've committed mon monogamy to you, and you trust me, you should have no concern about what this other person may do. Because unless you believe they can outpower me and convince me to do something that would be negative to myself. Um, and so a lot of it comes to trust. Yeah? <laughs> Just so you guys know, this episode will be predominantly led by me because I was actually a stronger contributor to the monogamous process. And this one over here seems to um, not have a whole lot to say about <laughs> about it at all. She's just staring at the mic, breathing at it. So we'll continue. Now, I'm I'm actually still waiting for our friends who are in solid relationships to come in and tell us what it is that they value and how they feel. You know, I've been thinking about like going back to when. You know, my my grandparents were around and they had like 
my grandma had all these girlfriends that they were friends with since high school and they were always gossiping and I mean part of the gossip was that one of the girlfriend's husband was cheating and I think had some kids on the side and she may not have been the most virtuous one to the point that you know where they had to do something about it so it's been it's not a current day situation it's it's been going on for as long as I guess marriages monogamy monogamous marriages have been around right it just kind of goes you know cheating has been as has been a part of monogamous marriages right. as long as monogamy has been around mm-hmm. um, but yet we still seem to believe that it that it's it's the higher more most divine relationship ever and that's what we're trying to get at is you know let's really think about it there's nothing wrong with choosing that but you know ask yourself the question like why do you need that what is it about it it can be very divine reasons um, but at least allow us allow yourself to think about it I mean a lot of us will spend more time analyzing ingredients on our cereal box or analyzing details of a car before we even analyze the vehicle of our love and our relationships we just we just assume that monogamy is the way to go and for some it might be for lots it may not be but to assume that every relationship should just go into that once it's quote-unquote serious is probably a bit of a stretch and that's probably why we're seeing a lot of um you know infidelity and we're seeing a lot of you know, unhappy people who are stuck in relationships for financial reasons, um, for, you know, family reasons, like, you know, like assuming that, well, it's for the kids we stay together. But, you know, in reality, if you're very unhappy um, and you're kind of living a mundane life, knowing that there's more out there for you, but you're choosing not to for them, they'll feel that, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll manifest in different ways. It's not just like you can't just pretend um, and it's not healthy to pretend completely all the time. Um, and another thing I'm thinking about is, you know, if you choose monogamy, you and a partner choose monogamy, why would you need to make a contract? Like, wouldn't you want to know that they have the freedom of choice and decision in their life and every day they go out in the world and experience what the world has to offer and they still choose to be monogamous and come home to you mm-hmm. by and choice? That, that That's actually, you know, I have it in my notes that the only type of monogamy that a monogamous relationship I can imagine is if I wake up every day and I make that choice. Right. And then if that lasts for two years, three years, 10 years, then that's my choice every single day. And it very well may be that that is my choice. And I mean that we are that way. But at the same time, I will not a expect you to make the same choice every day just because I'm making it. And B, I will still keep my freedom of choices to maybe change my mind if something changes in how I feel or who I meet. Right. I think for for me, I mean, I think I probably said it before, the most important uh, reason to have this right is to be able to uh, be in a position to meet someone that, or if I am lucky enough to meet someone who I am interested in i don't want to miss that right and that's where we go back into path and purpose is you know um not everybody you fall in love with means you should be with them forever um sometimes it's through a certain part of your life and another person will come along or another opportunity will come along 
Um, and you shouldn't feel that you're obligated to not do something that you feel is right based upon some contractual obligation you did years ago if the obligation is no longer suiting who you are. And that's another thing is um, what can happen in monogamous relationships, in my experience, is we do this whole thing called, it's like a click-save thing. Like, you know, we get started at, say, we're 17 and we're in a monogamous relationship, but that's based upon who we are at 17. And a lot of times we're not the same person at 17 as we are 24. We grow, we evolve, we, um, we understand more. And a lot of times the relationships that we commit to, um, the framework is too rigid and it doesn't leave, doesn't leave room for growth. It doesn't leave much room for change. And what happens is if we outgrow it and we get trapped in this box. I have to tell you that I think one of the luckiest uh, decisions that I made in my life was to refuse uh, multiple, I guess, offers from um, my first serious boyfriend for us to get married uh, because luckily we ended up in two different countries and enough time went by to where I clearly saw that I was growing in one way and he was growing in another way. And uh, I, I was lucky. I mean, lucky or smart or I just didn't, uh, did not want to follow, you know, the assumptive rule. Like, yeah, we've been together for that many years and, you know, now he's asking me to marry him. Of course I love him. Of course I'm going to marry him. But this nagging feeling of like, hey, I'm clearly seeing we're going in the right in the in the opposite directions, uh, and uh, it would have been nasty. It would have been nasty. I mean, we're friends now. Uh, he laughs at me. I laugh at him. But it's so clear that we're totally different people, and it would not have worked out at all. And we would have had some kids who would have been unhappy, and would have had to deal with it. Right. That's. You know, that can happen. Natural life can happen. People can grow together. People can grow apart. But what we find is a lot of times that dialogue to share the growth um, is limited to certain areas of our lives. Like We're allowed to grow in career. We're allowed to grow spiritually. We're allowed to grow, grow through refining exercise and uh, activism and things. But like sexually, um, we're not really allowed to really discuss that if it if my growth involves or your growth involves fantasy or um, desires beyond us and you know that can create a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of repression the feelings um, which can never be healthy and so I think a lot of times with monogamy and the click save mentality is a lot of the the uncomfortable conversations you don't have because you don't have to have them. Like, I'm yours, you're mine, good. Like, I'm not even, I don't have to worry about are you attracted to other people? Um, you know, what are your thoughts and what are your fantasies? And, you know, what would you like to have happen that involves with other people? Because we're together and that's good enough. We don't have to talk about those things. Um, and then it creates this parameter of I can't talk about those things. I have these thoughts, but I can't talk about them. You know, like, I do think about other people when I'm, in other places when I'm making love, but I feel guilty about that. And, you know, that's not a good thing. And with the click save as well, what can happen is the things that we did to get into the relationship, we no longer do because we've got it. Um, and there's never a feeling of like, 
well, if I don't treat this person the way they deserve to be treated, they're going to leave or they can expand and seek other things anyway. So, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, what we've committed to this, what we're in this, we're in this. So I can start breaching my agreement by maybe um, the person you met was really athletic and was really in, in the working out and being healthy. And since we got together, I kind of just stopped doing that. Um, and now I'm a whole different person that, you know, that's not the person you, you agreed to be with or commit to or vice versa. Maybe when we got together, we was fucking like jackrabbits. And now that we've been together for 10 years and have three kids and two full-time jobs, all of a sudden you don't feel that. Like, you don't, you're not as into sex anymore. Um, and then what happens? You know, the assumption is that, well, shit, we just got to deal with it. But those two things would be breaches of the, of the contract that we agreed to, assuming that we actually wrote out a contract and laid out the details of what this relationship meant. And that's where we go back to um, just assuming that monogamy wholeheartedly just is everything you'd ever need in a manuscript for a relationship. You know, none of the details are really talked about. Like, how far does your monogamy go? Can I flirt? You know, based upon the husband calling me today, uh, Becky, quote unquote, couldn't flirt. Like flirting was cheating to him. You know, or I, even talking to anyone. Right. So what are the boundaries? And that's everybody's relationship, whether monogamous or not, probably um, should be as unique as the two people involved in it. And everybody has different parameters. That goes back to the damn vows. And, you know, you scold me for laughing at people's weddings when other people cry when vows are exchanged. But I've laughed at people's weddings when standard vows are exchanged and he promises to take care of her till whatever what's the saying that death do us part part, and then she is gonna take care of him and it's all gonna be great and then lo and behold really that one wedding where i really laughed what was it like five years ago I'm not sure, but don't name any names to I remind me. I'm not naming <laughs> any names, but I it. mean, you know, it's clearly not good. Right. And that's another thing we'll say probably every time we have any conversation about relationships, marriage, all that stuff. Write your own damn vows. Yeah. Like, I mean, explain in the vows what things mean and how is it going to go. You don't have to write like a detailed daily rule book but wow like the main main points of what do you mean to me and what am i going to support and don't just go for i'm going to take care of you till you die right no matter what because a lot of times what can happen is like we said people can grow apart people can change but a lot of times we don't we're scared to admit that and so we just end up staying in relationships a lot longer than we need to for both parties, both people could grow apart, but feel like, well, we kind of committed to this and I don't want to be a quitter. And, you know, there's societal uh, guilt and shames and assumptions. There's religious. Um, some people are very religious, but like you don't get divorces. You know, it's interesting. So you get into a monogamous relationship. It doesn't work. It ends up in a divorce. You go into the next monogamous relationship with the same 50% chance of that not going well and with the same vows. Right. And if you do three times, then you really are crazy. Right. And that's, that's the, you know, one of the things we're trying to share is like thoroughly think it through. Whatever you choose, thoroughly think it through. If you want to be monogamous, that's awesome. Uh, there's something for everybody. But, you, you know, be brave, you know, in monogamy. Be brave. Have the conversations. What do you do if one of you 
is not as sexually interested as others you know what happens what yeah. happens if that changes like so one of the questions we have and i'm sure it's a question that or a situation that a lot of people end wait, up in are you gonna no 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 you can't jump the gun why no no no. we're not there yet okay we're going to emails almost, in a minute almost broke my rules yeah, I know or well, they're not my rules. I do not follow You're, rules. I am the right, show producer. The rule keeper. Okay. Right. All right. I'm sorry. So what were we talking about before you just jumped on me? Should she smoke? Cereal monogamy. <laughs> no, we were talking about cereal okay, monogamy. Okay, about cereal monogamy. And then what happens when right. things go okay. bad? Okay. So you get a relationship. You choose to have it be monogamous by default. You never discuss the parameters of monogamy with the person. And then it doesn't go well. And then what do you do? You get right back into another one and you never ask those questions. What does monogamy mean to you? Like, are we allowed to flirt? Is What about cuddling? Is What about hugging? Was it more? What about hugging for 20 seconds? Is that too long? Can I watch a movie? Can I stay over at someone's house? Do you trust me to not sleep with them? Because um, everybody has different levels of what they feel would be cheating. You know, some people in monogamous relationships get threatened when a person has a workout partner if it's one-on-one. -on -one. Like, you can't have one-on-one -on -one workout partners with the other opposite sex. Um, and different things. And not saying that any of these parameters are right or wrong, but you probably want to be clear about what your parameters are and communicate them with your partner before you guys choose to go in and get married and have kids and, and to have and to hold forever. And she's mine and I'm hers and, you know... Like, it's all that stuff. Right, I mean, it goes straight back to the same word has a different meaning. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and there's, there's also a perception that if you're, if you're in a monogamous relationship or if you love someone, that's the only one you can really love on that level. Like, you couldn't possibly love anybody else. Um, and we all know that's not the case. Like, you can love, I love Eula. I love my mom, I love my daughter, I love my son, I love skateboarding, I love graffiti art, I love, um, I love homeless people that I see on the street that I feel for, I love uh, people that I see triumph, I love my mentors, I love my elders. Like We can love all of these things and it's all the same love and it flows through and the more love we have and generate, the more that the better we feel about ourselves, the better we can produce in our lives and love. So, Well, that's your opinion. I come from a totally different world where this is not how you say it, or it's not how you feel. Uh, I actually had a discussion about that with uh, someone from my part of the world who listened and uh, to the first podcast that was very exciting that I actually got to talk to someone other than my first ex-boyfriend who said, hmm, that's interesting. Uh but the opinion was that, hey, listen, we come from the, and, you know, I grew up in the Soviet Union. Everything was limited. Somehow the concept of love fell into this whole limited resources uh, category. So what you're saying, you know, the more love you can love everybody and that just generates more love, that was totally not how it came to me. It's a limited resource. You only spend it on someone who is really close to, uh, who you're really close to and who you are building a family with. That's it. You don't even say the word love. 
rarely only on very, very, very uh, intimate occasions. And that's that's to be protected. So when you, you know, I mean, you come from this side of the more love you give, the more you receive, the more you generate. I totally come from a different side. And that's the hard concept that still makes sometimes does not make sense to me. Right. But that's what we're saying is this is the assumption that you can only do one. And as we're talking right here, just in, in our marriage right now, we have two different places and definitions of what love can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to think that she really just learns and understands that the more love she has, the more she can actually generate. But just to antagonize me, because she's a butt nugget sometimes, she's just doing that. But it's true that people, you know, different people share love different ways. Um, and that's why <laughs> the vows and the communication on how we share love should be clearly communicated, right? Because okay. maybe maybe the open love of loving mom, dad, kid, child, reggae, and hip-hop is... Can we may, play you know, our vows? Huh? Can we play our vows? We'll play our vows moving forward, but we're not playing vows right now, unfortunately. But we will play the vows. We wrote our vows. We <laughs> wrote our own vows. But it's, you know, clearly identify within self what these definitions of love and monogamy in words mean. So that way you're able to clearly define them to the person that you're trying to uh, monogamize with. Because it's very well likely that we both could say we want to be in a monogamous committed relationship, but the definition of commitment is very different. Um, and there's definitely no um, emergency plans. Like, what happens if you're no longer as sexually interested as I am? Or vice versa? You know, what happens if you're emotionally unavailable? Yeah. You know, um, what happens if when I met you, you were very driven sexually and athletically, and now you're not? And now, you you know, what if what if we're not sexually attracted to each other anymore, but we love each other and love our family. What do we do? Is someone allowed to go out um, and seek sexual energy or not? And why? Because it's changed. So a lot of a lot of things to think about here. But what we're going to do right now, we're going to go into a little song break, gather our marbles. Then we're going to read some emails from some of the people who've contributed. So this is the Black Russian Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Podomatic, and of now officially iTunes. So we are making moves. And uh, yeah, so go ahead and take a breather. Go PP. You know, think about monogamy. Like what are your what are your parameters? Is hugging okay? What about cuddling? Hey, I couldn't hug, remember? I was not a hugger. Yeah, but it wasn't because I told you not to hug. <laughs> you told me God. to hug. She's so stoned. She's like <laughs> fighting shit that ain't even here. Like, hey, I couldn't even hug. <laughs> Wasn't for me. Yeah, you're right. It's okay though. Still couldn't hug. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> the stoned episode. Okay, no packs for for you your love within two hours before. Thing. Yeah, that's what she said. Um, but no, think about this. Close your eyes. This is our close your eyes section of the. Episode. Close your eyes. Think about monogamy. Think about that love. Monogamy. What does it mean to you? What breaches monogamy? Sex. That's too far, right? Yeah. What about kissing? What about Eskimo kissing? Hmm. What about cuddling? Like, what if someone's sad? Are you allowed to cuddle with them? 
Netflix and chill. You know, eye contact longer than 15 seconds. Think about that. Because everybody probably has different parameters on what that is. You probably want to know before you claim her as your own and she claims you and you change your relationship status. <laughs> the Black Russian Podcast. Chill. Wow. It's really good to see you again, baby. And I must admit, you're looking very, very, very nice these days. I guess life must be treating you well. Oh, me? Well, I've just been doing the same old thing I've always been doing, you know. I've got a new lady now, and it's a little different than it was when I was with you. You know, I think back to when we met, the way I used to be and the cold way I used to act. But more than that, I think of how you changed me with your love and sensitivity. Remember when I used to. Crazy there. 
Remember when you used to Rest in peace, both of them. Tina Marie, Rick James, Fire and Desire. That's some love. Feel that? Mm-hmm. It was some real love in that room. It was crazy. If you ever look at Rick James unsung or Tina Marie's unsung on TV One, it was pretty serious. Um, but yeah, so as we get into this next phase of the monogamy episode, I want to be clear. Um, we are not pro or anti-monogamy. We are not pro or anti non-monogamy or polyamory or whatever it is um we're very much pro good communication with self and good communication with your partner being honest and living who you are um 
because that's what we're here to do. We're really here to be ourselves and be open and be brave. There's a lot for us when we do. The universe can open up all types of crazy things for us if we just be ourselves. We'll meet the people we're supposed to meet who appreciate and love us for that. So we are definitely some good communication folks. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, communication is not easy at all. I did not like to talk about things. It was really, really hard. It's still not easy. I mean, Tiana and I have done crazy drives where a sentence takes five minutes out of my mouth, and that's not an exaggeration. It's hard. It can be really hard, but the benefits are uh, huge. And... Uh, I think the biggest frustration that I have and the fear that I have uh, when I see people that get together and they're attracted and uh, they uh, maybe live together and they're comfortable and then they take the next step and they are now in a committed relationship and maybe a marriage, but they had never talked because it's hard and no one wants to talk and they don't have skills and uh, they won't push each other to talk. Uh, what do you really think is going to happen when you hit that time when things do go bad or uh, you, you've changed and you want to change maybe how your relationship goes or anything? That's, and it doesn't matter if you want it to be you know, continuously monogamous. or It may have nothing to do with monogamy at all. But if you can't talk it through, that really, really scares me. Yes, yeah, so... Let's communicate. Be brave. Communicate. Tell the truth. Be honest. Good karma is a great thing for love and relationships. And deceit and lying and repression are not good for the soul or the mind or the relationship or the family or the marriage or society. So now we get to get into emails from listeners. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for emailing. We hope to get more. Because uh, we want to hear your guys' input, too. We're, we did a good job tonight. We did our best. But I think if we'd had a little bit more input from our um, very successful monogamous relationship people, like maybe some tips, some ideas, some thoughts, it would have helped us a lot. Because clearly right now, um, Yula and I are not monogamous. And we haven't been since before the inception of our relationship. Um, and I haven't been since, like, 97. So it's been a long time. And... Um, you know, I think it's great, but I want to know what makes it specifically great and how the great ones stay great. Yep. So let's go. Uh, we won't use their real names. We can say Brother J. Let's say Brother J right now. All right. Uh, so Brother J's asking questions. A question for women. Why is the perception of monogamy so important? I have given it a thought, and the answer, at least for me, is the same as I uh, gave when we we were talking about the benefits or perceived benefits of monogamy, is the safety. I think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's just women, but we look for safety. We look for safety in the relationship and the safety in... Uh, just not having to worry about what else is going on. I mean, that's the only answer that I can give. All right. Yeah. No, it sounds good. I mean, pretty much it's, it's a security thing. 
um, beyond the perception thing. Because another thing about it, too, is, um, you know, if you're not in a monogamous relationship and you try to explain that to your friends or girlfriends who... That's the next email. Who, Yeah. Okay. I'll just say it like that. <laughs> Security is one of them. Yeah. Um, perception and shame is another one. Yeah. Thank you, Brother Jay. Well, hey, he has another question. Oh, he has question. more. Brother Jay right. is very prolific with his question asking. Well, Let him, let's give him some more. He's on point, too. Give it to him. So his next question is, what do you do when your thoughts lead you to believe monogamy is not the way? And that sort of supports my idea or understanding that, hey, it's not natural. It is uh, because just too many of us start questioning it. And maybe I always questioned it. And he is however old he is. And just now starting to question it. And you might be in your 60s when you question it. But the fact remains we question it. Uh, So what do you do with it? That's a very serious question. Very serious. And that depends on how your relationship is set up from the beginning. And that's where the vows come in. Come into play. If you uh, put yourself in a box where you have no room to move, then you're screwed. You have to break the box. But if you had the foresight to make the box flexible, then you don't have to break the box. It may not be comfortable. It may still be highly upsetting and painful, but there is a chance that you will be able to expand the box and not break it. Very much true. And, you know, growth is painful. So, you know, that's a part of the process. And hopefully the relationship is set up to where you can have those honest conversations to where when you speak on something that's hard or difficult or vulnerable, um, your partner will receive it with the same level of um, compassion and love when you tell them something else that's difficult, even though it may be a very sensitive subject. Um, and not get defensive and not make you feel shame or guilt for having these thoughts because these thoughts are normal. Um, and it very well may be that the person you were totally compatible with 10 years ago, you may not be compatible with now. Yeah, because they might get to that point 10 years after you. Right. Or never get there. But you can't assume that they will. You can't make them get there. But that doesn't mean that you have to put yourself back in the box and put a cross on yourself and just... Just go. Well, that was a Russian saying. But, uh, <laughs> say it in Russian. Maybe we'll get it. Can you say it in Russian? Повесить крест? That's it? Damn. It was like, you got a lot out with just like a character. She was like saying prince, but just a symbol. Just like... Like, all right, cool. But yeah, I mean... And one thing I guess you have to ask yourself, um, what's more important, your truth, your honesty and growth or saving the relationship? Because sometimes you may not have the choice for both. Well, I think that it's a matter of time. I think that we can all hold our breath and uh, stick to a relationship that we feel is no longer what we need. But that will only last so long. And that so long might be a year, might be 10 years, might be 20 years. But at some point something's gonna give right yep okay is one more question from brother jay well no it's an opinion okay there we go so he is a very highly intelligent thinking person and he has arrived to an opinion 
he says, I do not think it's, it's in human nature to be 100% monogamous. I feel that someone that says they have been 100% is full of shit. I don't think people were made to receive everything they need emotionally, physically, etc. from one person. And that kind of goes along with what we have arrived to. And um, I don't know, to me, that, that, that just says that maybe there is some validity in what we're saying. And monogamy is just one way. And then other people arrive to this. And that's a different way. Yeah. And, you know, the truth is um, you can actually experience love by knowing that your partner is experiencing love with another person or through another experience or through activities that don't be directly um, involve you. And that's compersion, and it's a beautiful thing. Not easy, but it's true, and it's beautiful. Okay, who's our next email? Our next email will be... All right, we'll call her Sister R. And she has been a long-term friend and going through a lot of uh, deep emotional changes, but uh, in a very isolated situation, not because she doesn't have people around her, but because people that are around her and are close are nowhere near the thought process that she has naturally arrived to. And that is a huge problem. So she says... uh, To me, this part is the same as other parts of our life where we have to trust our intuition and sometimes goes against what our immediate family and friends uh, uh, think or say. Uh, Okay, no, that's not it. I'm sorry. Rewind. Rewind. Sorry, I read read my response to her. There you go. Sorry. Okay. So she goes on monogamy. I heard you both say you don't really care what other people think. Uh, that uh, that I'm sure helps with being able to do to be so publicly authentic. What about people who do care about isolation from their group or family? What can they do? Have any advice for them? Baby steps to authenticity. Also, what about people who don't care what others think but don't want to hurt people around them who do, uh, such as spouses or grandma or your indispensable friends, etc. Really, though, I think because of the support of each other, it may be easier for you than for some others uh, whose spouses and family would totally resist the idea. And uh, also, I love the term human possession. (laughs) So that was Sister R. Sister R. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think I'm a good example uh, of how to respond to this. I really... Uh, I, as we said, I'm highly opinionated. I'm highly independent. I've done things in my life that went completely against my family and my friends, uh, being with you, being one of them. And I really have always believed that what if I feel something is right, then that's what I'm going to do. And if I have to openly fight my family and friends, I'm going to do it. Because I feel that's the right thing to do. You know, you and I had differences of opinion where I had to assert my right to do how to do things how 
I feel they needed to be done and bless your heart you decided to trust me and let it let me work it out and it all worked like magic but it's not I guess uh common that you know right yeah no very true I mean you know baby steps is you know start being honest with yourself be really honest with yourself don't be afraid don't second guess yourself be honest like say to yourself what it is you want who you really are whether you're queer whether you're bi whether you're you believe you can love multiple people you believe you're a kinky person whatever it is to be honest with yourself and start thinking those things and saying them out loud to yourself yeah. um, put what, yourself on the pedestal 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 yeah. <laughs> put yourself on a pedestal <laughs> On a pedestal of style. <laughs> Put your stuff on no, a pedestal. No, but, but seriously, like, if you don't trust yourself, who's going to trust you? I mean, you, you have to trust yourself. And then if other people are around to support you, then those are the people that are indispensable. If they don't support you, they're probably not so indispensable as you think. Right. And, and another thing is... <clears throat> Um, I'm a strong believer in you receive the energy that you put out. So if you're putting out like not fully yourself attitude, energy and vibration, you got not quite yourself friends Um, and people who don't really see you. They don't really know you. So when you start putting out that truth energy, what's going to happen is you may lose some of them friends because they're not friends based upon who you really are or who you're growing to become. And what will also happen is you'll start attracting people who actually feel and appreciate who you are. You know, I mean, this one is hard because it's friends and family. Right. Losing family is, or or risking the loss of family is, uh, for most people, if the family is close, is one of the most serious things, you know, in life. Right. But the question is, you know, will you really lose family because you're not... Um, you know who they assumed you are like that's the same question someone who's gay has to come come to grips with and it's hard some people do lose families and then they come around 10 years later uh some people don't but it's it's a hard it's it's a hard one i mean the most we can do is uh offer support and hold hands yeah and just you know you're here to be yourself you're here to be your truth um so you have to decide at some point are you going to live for other people or are you going to live to be yourself and allow other people to either be inspired or be um, deterred by you being honest and being truthful? Because um, at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself and you know when you're not being truthful. And we love you and you know that you have a place to come and have good this conversation. Um, and please don't feel that you have to become some higher level of yourself to um, spend time with your friends who believe in you like we do. There it is. Mm-hmm. All right, now for our final <laughs> our final one, we're going to call him Malka Will. Malka Will came in with a hot question. Shots fired. Mm-hmm. And the hot question is this. How is a man or a woman in today's high-driven sexual society stay true or faithful when you yourself or a sexual individual are a sexual individual with experience, but your partner is not. 
and is also not trying to grow sexually. Also, when there is uh, when they're in their thirties and have major lack of a, of of a sex drive, but keep this fact in mind: this partner is the most loyal. Loyal is capitalized person you've been with, uh, and you've been asking for them for years. But when you finally get it, the lust is not there. Help me, please. By sign concerned black man who's trying hard not to go down the wrong path that actually feels good. Uh, <laughs> Hi, it's all yours. That's all me. All right, Malcolm Will. Malcolm Will, Malcolm Will, Malcolm Machiavelli. <laughs> um, well, the main thing is this: don't commit to a relationship style that is not suited for you. If you're not ready to commit, don't commit. That's the easiest answer to that. So if you are more sexually driven than you feel the monogamous relationship will handle, don't get into a sexually monogamous monogamous relationship. Just because the person is loyal and that's what you feel you want to have right. in your life. They can still be loyal to you. Um, but the best thing is, you know, you want someone who is compatible with you. And if you're a highly sexual individual who desires sex from multiple people and dynamic relationships all the time, um, and that's just not one person, then you should probably be with somebody who's like that. But then you have to ask yourself, are you willing to allow and encourage a woman to be as sexually active and out there as you are? Right. I mean, it's interesting that you're seeking a loyal person, but then you're frustrated that they're not as sexually driven as you are. So basically, you're looking for a very loyal, highly sexual driven uh, person. And that's not who you have right now. So if you're asking how to turn a non-sexual person into a sexual person, that's a different type of therapy. You might need to uh, listen to Digital Underground and the song Sex Packets. I don't know if they sell sex packets anymore, but maybe if you get some sex packets, you can maybe help it out. But the real thing is, is, you know, if that's not you, if you're not about that monogamous life, don't front. Don't be about it if you're not about it, because you're just going to leave a trail of tears and, and have a lot of scorned women who further will not trust um, people in their relationship future. And that's not good. Not to mention, bruh, it's bad for your karma. You know, karma goes everywhere. You may do something wrong in a relationship and deceive or hurt somebody or something malicious, and it may not affect you in your relationship world, but it may affect your business. And I know you's about your business, Malcolm Will. So on the real, if you're not about that life, be honest, man. Tell her, say, I love you. Um, I want to be with you, but I, I have this desire to be with multiple women, but I want you to, I want to be with you. And that could be your primary or whatever, but you know, be honest, man. Be honest. And uh, yeah, so that wraps up our segment on emails. Our email address is theblackrussianpodcast at gmail.com. And um, before we go into the outro, this is a new segment we're going to try. It's going to be fun. It's called... For, some, for most people. It's going to be fun for everybody. Maybe not for you, but you're taking one for the team. So this is... Let's get Eula Say. Dun, 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 dun. There may or may not be cool music for this part, but whatever it is. So, from my man Jeff, he has a quote from Walter Sobchak. And so it starts here. So I'm going to have her read it in her head. 
and then say it all the way to this. Okay, that's a part of it, okay? Mm. Say it with energy. All right. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. And this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. <laughs> that was great. Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, this one is from Brother Mike Fish. So read that one. I am a world-renowned skate machine and invented the Ursula slide from East Europe. Watcha. That's a pretty good one. And I think there's one more over here. Let me go ahead and get this one out from my brother Nam. So let's see where his is right here. His was... This is bad. <laughs> I saw them. They were bad. Okay. We're going to do number one and number two. So do you, you need help with that word? <laughs> huh? That's a badonkadonk. No, I know. Okay, let's check it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. That badonkadonk made a brother pop mad wheelies. All right. Uh, what else? Oh, my God. What? I have ruined four pairs of underwear in one day from graffiti farts. Neither Tio nor I know what graffiti <laughs> farts are. Thanks, Nam. If you can help us understand or you guys might know what a graffiti fart is. Maybe uh, we just haven't painted enough. Man, I guess not. I've, I never painted something that was so tight. I got graffiti farts. So uh, <laughs> so that's pretty much uh, the monogamy episode. We made it through. Wasn't the easiest, but that's what makes it great is that, you know, we just got to we got to lean in and just be brave. And, um, you know, you guys will hear things that maybe we missed or things we should add. And you should go ahead and email us at the black Russian podcast at Gmail dot com so we can get it on there. So the next episode this is going to be one that probably Eula will take a lead in. This is the alternative episode or the polyamorous episode in which we'll go into all things non-monogamy, alternative styles of relationships, the good, the bad, the myths, the difficulties, the reasons why it may be for you. I'll take the difficulties. Yeah. Well, you're going to take it all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. Make sure... Like I said, we want your input. So please email us all questions about non-monogamy, polyamory. I know you guys have questions. A lot of you guys are in monogamous relationships that are curious about. So if you're in monogamous relationships and you're not sending us what is good about it and you send us questions about non-monogamous relationships, we will know that too. But that's okay. Still send them. We won't judge you. No judging. No, we'll just giggle. <laughs> we can giggle. Um, most definitely. So the Black Russian Podcast at gmail.com. The next episode will be the alternative polyamorous episode. And that will drop on January 1st. Because we drop them like welfare checks, baby, on the 1st and 15th. Which Eula knows nothing about. But we're informing her. So we'd like to end our show with Gratefuls. Things that we are grateful for. And uh, you let me go ahead and lead off. I'm grateful for not giving a fuck. Yeah? Mm-hmm. But then I'm also grateful for caring more than most. She's a Gemini. They do go hand in hand. <laughs> and I'm most grateful for getting older. It's a good feeling. Yeah, there we go. Um, 
I'm grateful for the reception that we got from our first podcast. It really helps us feel that um, we can contribute to people's growth and understanding about um, love and relationships and in many different facets. And that's really a beautiful thing. Um, I'm grateful for the men, uh, the black men that are um, reaching out to me and actually asking me serious questions about these things because it's something that uh, I've never heard any black brother talk about in my community around me. I'm sure they exist out there and I'm sure we'll find them. But as of now, it's something that we just, another one of those things, we'll accept wholeheartedly that it, that's just the way it is. We should be monogamous um, and that's that. And um, a lot of brothers have been hitting me up and asking the questions and being brave. So I, I am grateful for that. Um, and I'm also grateful for good health um, for our family, my mother, Eula's parents. Um, you know, sometimes when you get sick, whether it's your stomach or you just get a flu, you, you know, it really makes you realize like, you know, it's man, mortality is real. And um, we've lost a lot of people in 2016. I won't go down the list of them, but we've lost a lot of people this year. And it really reminds us over and over and over again about um, our mortality. So we'd like to say, you know, give our love and prayers for the people who lost friends, family at the ghost ship burning in Oakland. Um, and we'll continue to do a lot of good things to support and contribute to any of these causes. If you have any causes you think we should speak on or be be involved in, please let us know. We're about edutainment on all different levels, not just relationships. As you see us, we'll continue to grow in this podcast. This is just our starting point because it's a great launch pad. So that's us. I'm Tiambu Kuwan. And I'm Yula. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode two. Ja! and beyond before we go into our final track i would like to give a crazy mad fat shout out to the real word sound for providing these beats under this podcast right here you can find him at d-a-r-e-a-l-w-o-r-d-s-o-u-n-d the real word sound yes indeed been around the world as you can say, I've seen it all. Mm. I've seen the wicked rise. God knows I see the wicked fall. I've seen the good die young. See the good live long. I've seen the rain fall down, fall down in the bright midday sun. Oh gosh, so many people I met on my way. Yeah. I met the good, the bad God knows I'm at the ugly And through it all, through it all Yes, through it all I'm thankful cause Inspire me Inspire me Inspire me to write these words I sing for you today
Sometimes